let's please welcome uh, Pastor Chris to the stage to bring us the word. Okay, so this morning is our last breakfast service, and we've, uh, we've had a series called Fresh Start, and we've talked about how to have a fresh start in faith, and we've talked about how to have a fresh start in hope, and this morning I'm going to talk about how to have a fresh start in love. Now, we've got to be careful here because if people's definition of love is, is the wrong one, I could open a can of worms here. When I say a fresh start in love, it doesn't mean ditch the one you've got and find another one. <laughs> so I'll be explaining that a bit later on. Um, but you guys are still here. Do you, want, do you want to go and sit down or you like it up? No, you, you, you can sit down. Actually, that's a, that's a good excuse for me to actually uh, segue into a bit of an advert because this series ends today, but we're starting a new series next week because on February the 18th, uh, I think it's the 18th, yes, it is I Love My Church Sunday, which used to be, our, our, well, it still is, but we haven't, don't call it that, is our vision casting Sunday for the year. And so we've got a series called I Love My coming up to that. And we're going to talk about what are the things that we need to love and be involved in about church. I love my worship. I love my prayer. I love my outreach. I love my church. And we're going to, st- we're going to talk about these things because, do you know, we spend an awful lot of time and effort training the worship team to bring worship. But the worship team is actually only half of the worship. In fact, a lot less than half of the worship. And yet we've spent almost no time training you guys in worship. And so next week, we're going to have a bit of worship training. Because I I don't know whether you've realised this, but they're they're the tip of the iceberg. I mean, sometimes I think we look at the people up here, we sit back here in the congregation, we look up there and we think, these guys are the bee's knees. These guys are all important. No, no, they're just... The important people are all back here. The trouble is, (laughs) most of you don't actually recognise it. All the worship team is for is to lead you in worship. They're not there to do it for you. And next week I'm going to explain, because, you know, we, we have, none of the people we have here are professional musicians, and they're all volunteers. We don't pay them anything for playing music. Some of you are saying, well, I should hope not. <laughs> Others of you, and the vast majority, are saying, what a pity they are not being handsomely paid. Um, but the, the thing is, there's, there's an involvement factor. When, when uh, the Old Testament talks about worship, it often talks about a cloud of praise. And see, a cloud is, I mean, we're very individualistic in our society, but God loves praise as a cloud. So that as we come together, instead of looking at individuals and God picking out, well, he's praising well, she's pra- oh, he's terrible. Oh, gosh, forget about it entirely, don't even bother. He, he's not doing that. He's looking at a group of people praising and worshipping him, and he wants to see a cloud of praise rise from this place. And that cloud doesn't come from here, it comes from there. And so we need to train ourselves in, in how, to, how to love our worship. And uh, so there'll be a bit of, a bit of training next year. What I'll give you a tip, uh, and this is for next week. The front row is usually put aside because the people on the front row aren't more important than everybody else. It's just that they usually have something to do up here and the front row is closer, so it's just easier. 
But beyond that, and, and some of the seats are saved for the worship team because they get to sit down really late. And of course, if all of you sat down and sort of, sort of, Brendan gets down here and sort of like, uh, where, where am I going to sit? Uh, so we, we do save a place for the musicians. Uh, we are careful to make sure that they don't feel that they're special. Um, <laughs> you know, musicians. Um, but uh, my tip is that worship at the back is nowhere near as good as the worship at the front. And the only reason you're not at the front is because you think somebody else should be there. First come, first served. That when I first started going to church, when we realised that we could sit closer to the front than we were, we used to get there as early as we could to get seats. And people were angry. We'd get there, people would look at us, and it's like, you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> and we'd say, sorry, I'm sitting in my seat, because I got here first. And we don't save seats here, apart, as I said, from people who, are, who need a place because they're doing something. So get here early, get up the front, because let me tell you, there's a fade-off down the back. It is much harder to worship down the back, so make it easy on yourself. Get here early, get up the front. Uh, anyway, that's next week. I think I've preached that one. <laughs> oh, well. So anyway, we're going to be doing that. But this morning, we're looking at a fresh start on love. And because you know, faith and hope were easy, but as I've said, love could be a tricky thing. So I think, first of all, we need to ask ourselves an important question. And that question is, what is this thing called love? Now, I don't know, I put that up in that format because if you were alive in the 70s and the 80s, every British comedian worth his salt did a, a comedy sketch around this phrase. And it usually starred two people, two loved up people, cuddling, and the girl would look up adoringly into the man's eyes and say, what is this thing called, love? And the director would rush in and say, no, 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 cut, cut, stop. That's a, you can't say it like that. It's, what is this thing called, love? Oh, okay. And they'd do it again and she'd go, what is this thing called, love? <laughs> no, 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 no. And anyway, this would go on because it's slightly smutty for those of you who are old enough to get that. Um, but the funny thing is that we actually need to know what love is before we can get a fresh start in it. Because the word love is bandied around. I mean, we, we can even legislate love. It's a bit mind-blowing, but governments think they can legislate love. We talk about love in a sexual sense. We talk about love in a brotherly love type of sense. The, the word love is thrown around all over the place. And everybody you talk to, you can have a conversation with somebody about love. And depending on their background, their upbringing, their moral values, um, even, even their career choice, whatever it is, the, the idea of love that you're talking about may be nothing to do with the idea of love that they're hearing from you. And so you, you, you stand there in agreement with somebody because you've talked about love and how you agree it's great and it's wonderful, and you're saying one thing and the other person's hearing something completely different. So as Christians, we need to make sure we know what we're talking about when we say love. What is love? How do we define our love? Where do we anchor the word love? And so I looked in the Bible. I thought it was a good place to start. And so I've come up with this, this sort of definition about love as how it relates to God. And so I believe love is the communication of a promise or a covenant for a common decision for intimacy. Now, let's just agree right here and now just to uh, identify and define the word intimacy as closeness. We, we can go further than that, but when, I, when I'm talking about intimacy, I'm talking about a, a degree of closeness. So 
where do we go for our working definition of what love looks like in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, it's actually fairly easy. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Isn't that good to know? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If God is love, what better place to start? If we want a definition of love, we've got to go to God. So if God is love, what did he do to actually demonstrate that love for us? Because it's, it's nice to talk about God is love. Yep, okay, good. Okay, God is love. Yeah, I'm convinced, yep, fine. But, but what, what did he, how did he show that love? Did he wait for us to say, we love you, God. Love you too. <laughs> Was that, is that the love that, that God shows us? If we go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love each other because he loved us first. He actually decided that he was going to love us before any of us made a decision to love God. In fact, most of us had made a decision to hate God. If we hadn't been brought up in church, and perhaps even then, um, a number of people got to that point. And so we see that God loved us before we loved him. So his love is proactive, not reactive. And the action that he took is shown in that famous verse in John 3.16 and 17. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So that we can see that in this decision for intimacy, God took the first step. He didn't wait for us. It's a good job too. Some of us take a long time. There were no requirements for us and God sacrificed what was most dear to him without even knowing that that love was going to be reciprocated. So with God's part of the promise made clear, what are, what's our part in the agreement? I mean, my definition was that love is the communication of a promise for a common decision for intimacy. One person can't decide and leave the other person in the cold. That's not intimacy. Intimacy is an agreement for intimacy. So there's obviously something we have to do. Is that a fair, fair statement? Do, do we want to do something? We just sit here and take it? Now, God loves us. That's good. Okay. Because that's not intimacy. The idea of God loving us is that he wanted us to draw us to him. And so our part in this we need to communicate our part of the promise to seal the agreement. So what's our part of the promise? Because we've talked about, you know, love in all sorts of different ways. How does that impact God? What's the sort of love God wants to see? And, and why do we need a fresh start on it? Because I believe we, we, we get trapped because we don't like God's definition of love. Because boldly, right here in John 14, 15... Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, you know, Vicky and I are in love. But I did not go to her and say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was younger, I think I might have tried that once. <laughs> um, but, and, and neither did she uh, say the opposite back to me. She didn't say, if you love me, obey my commandments. She was a lot subtler than that. <laughs> I'm still working out how to win that war. 
Um, but he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. It sounds really harsh. But then it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So, wow. I mean, not only do we have a clear directive on how to love God, but he's, he's even attached a bonus to that. Not only is he willing to sacrifice his son and, and give us all the love that he has before we respond, but when we do respond, he throws in the Holy Spirit as well. You sort of think, well, God is serious about this intimacy stuff. But some of you are saying, now, hey, whoa, whoa, hang on. What is this obey my commandment stuff? Now, this doesn't sound like my definition of love at all. Jesus is love. I mean, it's, it's, it's all wonderful. Jesus heals the pain in my soul, and I feel so good around Jesus, and life is just wonderful. I just float through. Whatever you're on, stop taking it. <laughs> we need to recognize that God doesn't think the way we think. His ways and thoughts are higher than ours. So what are these commandments? Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Doesn't sound so bad. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Well, that seems all right, doesn't it? A lot of love going around there. Love God? I think I can do that. Love my neighbor? Tougher. But I can give that a shot. So, so what did I say earlier about the definition of love? God's done his part. He sacrificed everything for that love. But to develop that into intimacy, we have to fulfill our side of the promise, which is to obey his commandments. All Jesus has done in Matthew 22 is to distill ten commandments into two. Who knows what distillation is? It's a, it, if you got a bottle of wine and you distilled it, you would extract the most powerful aspect of it, which is the alcohol, and just you'd end up with ethanol. And a lot of people would say, well, you, you've distilled the essence of that red wine. Why don't, why don't you just get distilled ethanol and drink that? <laughs> Apart from the fact that it burns. That's not the purpose for drinking red wine. And if it is, you should stop it right now. <laughs> there's, there's nuances and flavour and, and all sorts of other things that are important in that, but you can still distill the, the major essence of wine from, into, into alcohol. What Jesus has done here is distill the Ten Commandments into something which is easy to grasp and understand for the people he's talking to. He has not done away with the other eight. What he's saying is that these two encapsulate all of those ten. And they are all important to achieve intimacy with God, which is why we need a fresh start with love. Because I don't know about you, but we slip up. We forget. We let things slide. You know, we had good intentions at the beginning of last year, but look at our life this year and you still think, oh, it didn't go so well. We let things get on top of us. You know, we had a great prayer life in January 2017, but December 2017 was an absolute... You were, you were lucky if you prayed 
when something happened that was wrong. I mean, there are great testimonies we had this year of, of, of sicknesses and, and disease and, and misfortune that we prayed about and God came through. And that's absolutely fabulous. But we, we, we've got to be careful not to get into that mindset of saying, well, when things go wrong, we'll pray like stink. We should be praying like stink. And when things go wrong, we just have faith that our prayers have already been answered and we just keep praying. But these things slip. We stop loving God because we stop obeying his commandments. We forget about putting God first. We forget about sexual purity. We forget about honoring our parents with bald tires. <laughs> that's, got, that's got legs on it, that one. We forget about not gossiping. We forget that we're not called to keep up with the Joneses. The kingdom of God is not a consumer society. We forget, we forget. We slip up. We fall into sin. Because you know what? That's what the devil wants. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Sometimes it's on purpose. Nobody here, I know. Mainly by accident, but whatever our excuse is, we need to stop, take stock, and recalibrate our lives to reflect our love for God. If you love me, Obey my commandments. Today is a good time to look at our lives and say, what can I change to get back in line with my relationship with God? I know that God loves me, but does God know that I love him? Because sometimes we say it. You know, we, we, we praise God this morning in worship. You know, we love you, Lord, deep in the river. We're, we're you know, surrounded by your Holy Spirit. But does the Holy Spirit know that? Have we, have we honoured him in what we're doing? The devil wants us to forget. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, but you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my situation. It's really tough to follow God. Hey, if, if you think it's tough to follow God, let, let me tell you, it's tough to follow God. It's tough to lead and follow God. It's tough to be out there and to be seen to be following God. There's, there's, there's a pressure when you're delivering the word of God to actually live the word of God. Oh, silly, I know. I mean, why would you bother? But the, the pressure, real or, or not, that you feel doing it makes it impossible. It is absolutely impossible to follow God. I've come to that conclusion. I would not bother following God. It's just too hard. Except for one thing. We don't have to do it on our own. It's not like we've been left here with no help. What did it say immediately after, if you love me, obey my commandments? He said, I'll ask my father and he's going to send you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. If he never leaves you, that means he's always with you. And guess what? He, he, did he say? He said, he's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth and, he, truth and he's there to judge you and make your life miserable. Is that what it said? No. He is there as our advocate to help us, to guide us, to comfort us, to bring us wisdom, to bring us joy, to bring us healing, to bring us what we need and what we ask for in our lives. We are not alone. If we need a fresh start, 
guess what? We can ask the Holy Spirit for help. If we need to make a change in our lives, don't take it all upon yourself because let me tell you, it is impossible. You cannot live a life of Christ alone. That's why he, he likes the church. That's why I was talking about you know, this cloud of praise uh, coming up. That cloud is the Holy Spirit. We don't have to have an into We can dive into the cloud. <laughs> you can be in the Holy Spirit because other people have generated around you. You might, you might be sitting in a worship service feeling, oh, I just can't do this. But if there's a cloud of praise around you, you can get drawn into that. What, what is attacking you in life will be dissipated because that's why it's important to come to church. That's why it's important to, to worship as a group. But you can also pray. You know, just setting your prayer time. I, I love what Greg French said. He said he struggled because he was a minister and you know, Pastor Phil prays you know, for an hour a day and every day and all of this. And Greg said he, he struggled. You know, some days he could pray for an hour and then he'd go four days and not pray at all. And then he'd feel guilty and he'd pray for an hour. And he said he, he, he was prompted once at the end of this hour he was exhausted and, and he felt God say to him, why are you torturing yourself? And it's like, well, this is what you want, Lord. And he said, he felt God say, no, I want a consistent commitment. And so he said, well, what, what are you, half an hour a day? And he didn't hear anything. He said, what, 15 minutes? Didn't really hear any prompting from God. He said, what, what do you mean, like three minutes? And he felt something go off. He thought, you've got to be joking, three minutes. He said, he took God at his word. And so for every day since then, he has prayed for three minutes a day. But what he's found is that because he set aside three minutes, some days he's really busy, he has to catch a plane, he prays for three minutes. Other days he starts his three minutes and an hour and a half later he finishes. Because he's committed to consistency, he finds that once he's done that, what comes after that is just a bonus. He said he would pray on average probably at least half an hour a day, but he only commits to three minutes. Because that's what the Holy Spirit gave him hope. He tried to do it on his own, and it was too hard. But when he listened to the Holy Spirit, he could do more than he could do on his, in his own strength just by committing a little bit. So we need, to, we, need to, we need to look at our lives and say, what are we prepared to commit? Because we only have to commit a little bit. I love that saying, motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. We need to actually be motivated to start a habit, but a habit that isn't going to kill us. Because burning out for Jesus is not what it's about. You know, I'm exhausted for Jesus. I've got depression. I'm on, I'm on prescription medication. My body's falling apart. This is what God wants for my life, and I'm joyous in the, in the kingdom. Rubbish. We need to remember we're in a marathon, not a sprint. We need to prepare. And you prepare bit by bit. And so when we start this new year, we need to be looking at what, can we, what little thing can we change? When you get your car serviced, when you, you take it in for a tune-up, guess what? They, they don't change all the settings 180 degrees. Come in and say, oh, that's wrong. They, you, when you come in, they tweak the engine. They move things micromillimetres and, and, and little bits, and they clean out little bits here and there, and, and they make minor tweaks. If we want a, a fresh start in love, let's start making, let's tune our engines. Let's not try to say, well, my engine's stuffed, let's throw it out. 
Because that doesn't work. We need to actually say, okay, God, I, I, this 2018 is going to be the year where my love for you it, it, it has a revival. But a revo- you don't, it's a lot like, okay, I'm going to read the word for two hours a day, pray for an hour, uh, come to church seven days a week, um, which would be boring because we only have it here one. Um, uh, uh, making huge commitments like that, just read a verse every day. If you're a guy, commit to coming to men's prayer once a week, six o'clock Friday morning. This year, we will actually be going through the book of Psalms. For the 52 weeks, we're going, to, we're going to study the book of Psalms as part of our prayer life. Each week, we're going to have a psalm that we're going to go through so that people have got an idea of what we're praying about. And we're going to come together on Friday mornings and we're going to pray the word of God. So commit to that. It's, that's just half an hour a week. Add a coffee afterwards that so far we haven't been charging for. Don't, don't, tell, the, don't tell the ladies. But change something. Can I ask you to stand with me? I don't know whether anything has sparked something that you know that you can change. I don't know whether you're sitting there thinking there's just too many things, Chris, you don't understand. I just, I'm just going to forget everything you've said because I just can't handle it. Pick one. Another secret. This, this is free. God knows you're not perfect. I don't know whether you realise that. Uh, I discovered that. So I thought that was keeping that a secret from God, but he, uh, he actually told me. He said, no, you're not fooling anyone. Pick one. You may, fi- you, you may have struggled with the, the thing you know you need to change for years. You say, well, I, it's been decades. I haven't been able to change this habit. <laughs> Don't give up. You know, we, uh, Simon talked about the, the, the guy at the, the Gate Beautiful. He'd been going there for years. But it's a, all it requires is a, a tune, a slight change. Don't give up hope. I want you to make a promise just between you and God right now. We've built up our faith for 2018. We've talked about the hope we have for the future. But all of that is wasted unless we actually have a covenant or an agreement or a promise with God for intimacy. Now we know God has fulfilled his part of the promise. We need to actually take a step today to let him know that we're prepared to to fulfill our part of the promise. So I want you to bring to the front of your mind right now what you know you need to change and begin to work out a strategy. How am I going to do this? How much time am I going to spend? What resources am I going to use? What, what can I do to make this come to pass in 2018? What small tweak, what change, what help can I, can I get What can I do? And begin to meditate on that. It may be something that you can share, burden shared, burden halved. It may be something that you can't do on your own, that you need a group of people around you to help you. 
Even a Bible study group, knowing that people are praying at the same time as you can help things. Have you got that fixed in your mind? Because I want to pray over that right now. Let's all lift our hands to heaven. Mighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit here this morning, I pray that the purpose that we have in our minds to fulfill our covenant to love you is impossible without you, but a victory with you. We pledge and proclaim right now to partner with your Holy Spirit to bring our love for you into focus this year, 2018, so that we can truly say, Lord, we love you. Lord, we are obeying your commandments. And we are putting our life in the hands of your Holy Spirit, your advocate, our comforter, our guide, with the faith and the hope that that love will be manifest in 2018. We pledge our promise to you to love you. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. And while you're still standing there, you may be here this morning and you may have never taken a step to say, I want to enter that relationship with God. I want intimacy with Jesus Christ. I understand that he has laid his life on the line for me and for my life. But I've never actually taken that step of saying, okay, I'm going to accept that love. I'm going to proclaim myself a follower of Jesus Christ. I am going to say to Jesus, I'm going to obey your commandments. I'm going to show you my love in response to you showing me your love. If you've never made that decision, or you've made it but you know that you certainly aren't living that, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say a prayer with me to invite Jesus into your heart for that relationship. You know, we told in, in Romans that if we say with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the cross for our sins, we will see salvation. So I want to offer that opportunity this morning. Can I ask everyone just to close their eyes? And if that's you, you would like to make that decision this morning. Can you raise your hand right now so that I can see it? And I'd love to pray a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart with you. Is there anyone here at all who wants to pray that prayer this morning? To respond to God's love by proclaiming your own back. Just wait a couple more seconds. Feel it tugging at your heartstrings, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, can you just look forward? Can we just pray before we finish this morning? Lord, we give you thanks for the things that you do in our lives. We put the good and the bad behind us as we start this new year, and we look forward to a new year in Jesus. Through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. Let's thank Pastor Chris this morning.